think the caller will love the film because we actually start off with, with that, and so we don't do any exploration in terms of what was going on with the animals that they were using. My understanding, and I suspect that it's very different than what we've seen in the past you know, couple decades with, with your Jack Hannas and then everyone that sort of learned how to do things uh, from him. So uh, um, I think that was a little bit different, but I actually don't know for sure. Yeah. Well, that brings me almost exactly probably to, we've mentioned Jack Hanna a couple of times, and I, I think, I mean, it's kind of essential to discuss him at least a bit more, maybe even briefly, but because he really does constitute kind of a through line of the film. I mean, Tim Harrison as a boy, we see in the opening part of the film, as this caller noted, Wild Kingdom, talking about watching people like Marlon Perkins and Jacques Cousteau. And then early on, we count saying, someday I want to be like Jack Hanna. Um, and, uh, you know, and then Jack Hanna, uh, different elements of Jack Hanna appear throughout the film. Before I get into some of those things and kind of maybe some notable developments that probably people have heard and read about anyway about Jack subsequently, what was your feeling or opinion of Jack Hanna when you began the project? Well, I'm, I'm from Ohio as well, and yeah. so really Jack Hanna, for many of us, is, is a hometown boy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's an American icon. He's, he's an international sensation. He's, by name, you know, one of the most famous, quote, conservationists in the world. And so, so of course, um, have great feelings about Jack. I grew yeah. up with him, you know, as, as well as, as most of us uh, did. You know, so the film didn't start off focusing on Jack. In fact, this film was still more broadly about, you know, the exotic pet trade and, and so forth. But, but I think what happens is the further you dig into it, the further that we did, is that he just kind of shows up everywhere. You know, so whether you're talking about the auctions, there will be some sort of at least tan- tangential relationship there where Jack kind of shows up. When you look at the, uh, we'll look at passing laws, whether it's state or federal laws that would seek to kind of regulate and track uh, these animals and, and create some protection for the public and some regulation for the animals themselves, Jack just kind of shows up there too. And so when we look at these sort of uh, movements and the trafficking of these animals and we look at these various backyard breeders and roadside zoos and things like that, Jack sort of shows up there too. So it's, uh, he really, you know, his, you know, um, his, his reach extends through all of that. And so it just really naturally happened and just couldn't really get away from it. Yeah. And as a measure of how sort of a pervasive key figure he is in that world, again, I'm not saying anything that's in any kind of a spoiler because this was sort of national news other than maybe it wasn't necessarily directly connected in those in some of that na- national news coverage. But really, I think as the film was being completed, Jack Hanna announced plans to retire from the Columbus Zoo and some of his work, obviously, uh, as uh, I'm still trying to get used to this phrase, celebrity conservationist. Then a few months later, he did retire. Then, and again, this, there wouldn't be no reason for anybody, unless they were familiar with the film or the timing, to, to know that this does seem kind of directly hooked. The day, I think, after the movie launched, or was that a preview of some kind, Jack Hanna's family released a statement that he was diagnosed with dementia and would no longer participate in public life. So, I mean, for those who, whether you're from Ohio or not, those people who've watched Jack Hanna years on Letterman or all these other shows couldn't help but feel upset and kind of saddened about this news. Yet, I mean, if you track the film and kind of the sequence of events, they're hardly unrelated, it would seem. 
Yeah, and I think, you know, that announcement um, represented, you know, some tragedy for a lot of people out there. But for me and those of us who have been trying to track, you know, even specifically Jack Hanna's ambassador animals, snow leopards, emmer leopards, tigers, lions, for all of these years, and particularly the past three years, it had an additional level of tragedy because I had looked forward to the day when this film would finally release, and it did at the Santa Barbara International Film Festival. It won the Social Justice Award there. And I looked forward to it because finally we could reveal to the public and to the press what was going on. And then it would give us the opportunity and would give the press the opportunity to finally ask Jack these very difficult questions that we actually asked him you know, personally in the film and then he, he, he would not reveal uh, the answer. But finally, ask him and to get these answers. And what was tragic for me and so difficult to hear is literally the day after the movie release, when that moment would happen, where we could finally get some answers. Um, his family announced that he's stepping away from public life, presumably forever. Yeah. And so those secrets and those answers presumably go away forever as well. Yeah. Well, I think that's would be the assumption based on that announcement. And I don't think there's been anything so far to suggest anything different uh, since that announcement was made by the family. So let me just. So, again, this is Talking Animals with Duncan Strauss. My guest is Michael Weber, director of The Conservation Game, a new documentary exploring the world of people who bring animals on late night talk shows and other programs and may, in fact, in many cases, are clearly secretly participating in the exotic pet trade. We invite you to join the conversation by calling 813-239-9663, emailing dj at wmnf.org, or texting 813-433-0885. So the conservation game has a few elements to it. I mean, it, I think I said at the outset of the show that it's obviously fundamentally a documentary, but there's also kind of a mystery thriller element to it Was as uh, Tim is trying to find out from some of these, again, so-called conservation celebrity conservationists, where the animals have gone after they've appeared that morning on network television or that night on network television or wherever it might be. But also, there's a parallel narrative of the film that we haven't touched on yet that I want to be sure to, which is the effort to lobby for the Big Cat Safety Act. And uh, that's a really important bill about governing kind of the trade of big cats and playing a pivotal role in that effort, very much including on screen, are Tampa's own Howard and Carol Baskin of Big Cat Rescue, so why was it important to you to spotlight the Big Cat Rescue Act in the midst of telling kind of the, the larger main story of the conservation game? Yeah, I thought that they related. I thought it was a neat subplot of the film where at the, while at, in, in the main plot we see um, our team and particularly Tim Harrison trying to track down the whereabouts of these ambassador animals that we see on television. But at the same time, we see his effort in Washington, D.C. to pass uh, really reasonable federal regulations that would help in exactly that. It would then regulate um, these, the private ownership of these big cats. It would seek to actually shut down once and for all uh, these auctions and the backyard breeding and the, the trafficking uh, of these animals. You know, so Tim was involved in both of those efforts at the same time. And something else happened that we just did not anticipate is while on one hand in the main plot we are following trying to track down, for instance, Jack Hanna's ambassador Katz, it turns out that effort in D.C. Um, was uh, there was an attempt to thwart 
the, the passage of that law by none other than Jack Hanna himself. Yeah, and, so and, and the Columbus Zoo, I guess, more broadly. And, and the yeah. Columbus Zoo, and they yeah. sort of coalesced into one theme. It was really interesting how they came together, and it turned out, in a sense, the antagonist on both of those sides happened to be Jack Hanna and the Columbus Zoo. Yeah, because again, obviously, they if this bill had gone forward from their standpoint, that would really undermine a lot of their efforts, uh, both direct and, and immediately apparent, and some of the ones that are sort of underground, underworld ones. So either way, they did not want that bill to advance, and they did whatever they could to uh, to help block it. So let's take another uh, caller or two. Hi, you're on Talking Animals with Michael Weber. Oh, okay. I guess we lost that call. Let's take this I one. I want to just know if um, once a big cat is in captivity, can it even be introduced back into the wild? Is it, uh, once a, a big cat is, is in captivity, can it be reintroduced to the wild? Is that your question, sir? Yes, sir. Okay, thanks. Yeah, yeah, it's a good question. Um, sometimes we get that impression, you know, um, when we see them on, on television, when we talk about the conservation efforts, you know, for them. And, and the answer is no. You know, they're very much imprinted to humans. And in fact, ironically, it makes it more dangerous. So if you were to take a cat that uh, that you raised and it was imprinted to humans and even you let it go in the wild, for one, it, it wouldn't do very well. But for two, it's more dangerous because then it will come up to people and it, in, in the end and it, it won't keep its distance. And, and that creates a dangerous situation. So these animals that we see that are raised they're born and raised in captivity will never um, go out to the wild and and that's never the intention and that's never going to happen okay caller thank you for your question thank you let's take one more hi you're on talking animals with michael weber good morning uh, duncan good morning and great work michael i can't wait to see your film um i'm wondering and you're probably familiar with him yourself duncan because it was local the story the guy told your first caller, it sounds to me like he was talking about Burt Wall, the wildlife rescue. Do you remember Burt Wall? Uh, I don't, but uh, I'm Bert not. Burt Wall was a gentleman who had a wildlife rescue here and used to take his animals into the schools and all that kind of stuff. And he actually uh, ended up uh, getting really messed up with drugs and having animals die in his possession on the two panthers that he had. He had a male and a female panther because I know I helped raise them when we were young. Mm. I I used to work over there at Wildlife Rescue. I see. There at that that um, um, school on Morris Bridge Road, the place where for the where the kids all go out to on Hillsborough River. Two Panthers are over there now, but sounds uh. like that's who he's talking about. When he's, I, I'm wondering if his if his neighbor that had these things was named Bert Wall. Yeah, well, uh, perhaps he'll email in or call back in, and we'll. I don't have any other way to know, but it sounds like a very good possibility from what you're saying. And, you know, the other thing is I think that what happened with um, Jack Hanna is someone gave him inside information that this film was about to come out, and he decided to make sure he wasn't available. Yeah, well, I think that I think there's a pretty direct line, really, because I believe it was after, like, a opening screening or a sneak preview or something. Uh, Michael can address this more directly. But I think it was literally the next day where the family made that announcement. So let's just say it hardly seemed coincidental, yeah. Well, thank you for all your hard work, and I hope that you continue to make documentary films. Thanks so much for your call. Oh, I really do appreciate that. Thank you. And before we get uh, sort of, we're just really much, pretty much nearing the end of our time, Michael, but but speaking of, you know, this, this caller just said, as I think others probably have implied, that they look forward to seeing the film. So uh, I believe the film 
uh, opens at least in some theaters uh, this weekend. And uh, then I think it kind of broadens out from there. But uh, how would people in this day and age of sometimes films open in theaters and then subsequently are streaming or available through other means, how would people see this film that might be listening in Florida and might be listening elsewhere as well? Yeah, so our theatrical premiere is this weekend, and so that starts in Los Angeles. And then from there, we'll be going to about a dozen other cities, including New York City and and there are plans also to, to uh, come to Florida as well. So I think the best thing, um, at least at the moment, is if you go to theconservationgame.com, you'll be able to stay up to date on how to see the film, uh, where it is next, and, of course, follow us on, on social media. Um, so we have a theatrical run coming up now, which will be in limited theaters, and then obviously, like, like most titles, eventually this will be available digitally, and then... Um, your you know fans who are unable to see it in theaters uh, will be able to catch it that way. Okay, great. So uh, stay patient if you don't see it right away and just keep checking theconservationgame.com and uh, more and more theaters or opportunities will be uh, reflected on that website or on social media for, for the Conservation Game. So, Michael, thank you so much for making the time to join us uh, today on Talking Animals. As I said at the outset, I, I think the film is really so well done and so eye-opening. Even for, again, for those of us who are kind of familiar with this topic and some of the players or whatever, it still was kind of a slap in the face in times, but only in the best way that it could documentary can be so thank you again for joining us today my pleasure thanks for having me you bet bye-bye in a moment we'll hear from maddie stone of great explorations children's museum in st petersburg which is hosting pet day with spca tampa bay this friday august 27th right now that we're going to step into the comedy corner with a piece from one of my favorites eddie pepitone doing a piece called dog therapy in today's comedy corner on talking animals on wmnf but i've turned my dog I've turned my dog into my shrink. I'm talking to her now as if she was my shrink because I'm bored to tears with my real shrink. You know what I mean? We understand each other. I'm there to fill an hour. She gets some insurance money, whatever it is. But, but now I talk to my dog like she's my shrink. I, I'm, I'm saying to her like, Charlotte, you don't think I have diabetes, do you? <laughs> Charlotte knew how much money I have in my bank account. Instead of running and chasing balls, she'd just be in the apartment smoking for cigarettes. She'd just be like, oh, great. I thought I landed on my feet here. 
That was Eddie Pepitone in today's Comedy Corner with a piece called Dog Therapy, taken from his appearance on the show In Ruins. Now it's time to hear my conversation with Maddie Stone of Great Explorations Children's Museum to fill us in on Pet Day with SBA Tampa Bay this Friday. This is Maddie Stone on Talking Animals on WF. Good morning, Maddie. Hi, good morning. Thanks for joining us on Talking Animals. Of course. So, uh, first, for those listening who haven't maybe had a chance yet to visit, maybe you could just give us a, a brief overview of Great Explorations Children's Museum. Absolutely. So we are a 23,000-square-foot children's museum um, with galleries and exhibits um, designed to stimulate learning through creativity, play, and exploration. And we're located in St. Petersburg, Florida. Great. Cool. And how often are there special events like the one that's happening this Friday? We do quite a few. We do. We aim for a few a month. Wow. Cool. All right. So let's get into the one we're actually here to talk about. Describe what will happen at Pet Day with SBCA Tampa Bay on Friday. Yeah, so this event is this Friday. Um, Kids um, and families can learn about the importance of caring for pets and animals. Um, We, of course, have an exhibit in the museum um, that's sponsored by SPCA Tampa Bay, and so this serves as our kid-sized vet clinic. So this is where kids can learn about um, caring for pets. Um, But in addition to playtime in that exhibit, kids will also uh, get the opportunity to um, participate in pet-themed activities. We've got some crafts and games. Um, And then our friends at SPCA Tampa Bay will also be bringing a rabbit and doing a critter encounter show. Oh, okay, cool. So there's a rabbit on hand. Uh, I was going to wonder if there might be uh, one or more animals that, that would be there either to meet and greet, as it sounds like there is, or if there would be any ones that would be potential adoption animals, but it sounds like that's not the case for this Friday, at least. Yeah, unfortunately, no uh, no animals up for adoption, but we'll definitely have a few animals on site. We have a Critter Corner exhibit where we house a few animals, um, like a leopard gecko and such, um, and then additionally the, the rabbit from SPCA. Cool. So how many kids uh, and, and their parents, probably, uh, do you expect uh, at, at this Friday's event? Um, I'm not sure about a number, but a few hundred, hopefully, uh, oh, wow. throughout the day. Um, granted, school is in session, so we'll see. But yeah. it's, a, it's an afternoon event. Um, it starts at 11 a.m. and ends at about 3.30 p.m. So okay. throughout the day, we'll have various activities and hopefully see a good crowd. Right. And I guess basically uh, you can get in on this just for, by uh, virtue of buying a, a regular ticket of admission to the museum. Is that right? Yeah. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. Um, there's no additional cost for this event, just the just the cost of admission. That's great. And um, are there any uh, particular COVID protocols that we should know about for people who might say, hey, this sounds cool, maybe we'll get over there at some point between 11 and 3.30 on Friday? Yeah, um, so we are doing limited capacity and we're cleaning regularly. Masks are not required for guests, but they are encouraged. Okay, I got you. Cool. So uh, where, if people are driving around and maybe not able to jot things down or just generally want to find out more information, what can you point us to either the website or social media pages where people could get more details about the, this Friday's Pet Day? Absolutely. Our, um, our website is greatex.org, and we are Great Explorations Children's Museum on all social media. Great. Cool. That sounds simple enough and sounds like... It'll be very easy to get info and find out more, but uh, it's already been great to hear uh, some of the basics and uh, that you've provided here, and this sounds like it's going to be a great event on Friday. So uh, thanks so much, Maddie, for joining us today on Talking Animals. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Duncan. Hope to see everyone there. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye.
Coming up on WMNF, the music kicks back in with Scott Elliott from noon to 3 p.m., a glorious three hours of music. And uh, highlighting, I know today, among other things, the work of the late, truly great Charlie Watts. So be sure to stay tuned for that. That's coming up just momentarily after we wrap up here. And then there's just five minutes of NPR News headlines. And then after Scott, at uh, 3 o'clock, it's Robin Hooper with yet another three hours of music. And we just keep the music coming as we roll into our block of Latin programming and beyond. Meanwhile, on this show at the moment, as a prize for Name That Animal Tunes, I'll be offering something fabulous from the Talking Animals vaults. It could be a book, it could be a CD, it could be some other cool trinket or prize or accessory or something. To the first person who calls 813-239-9663 and correctly identifies... Not that one. Okay, we got that fixed up. Sorry. So anyways, whoever calls in first at 813-239-9663 correctly identifies this animal song. Can win a cool prize from Talking Animals Ball. The same that animal tune on Talking Animals on WMNF. reach the end of today's edition of Talking Animals on WMNF Tampa. We will take any guesses uh, after we get off the air. And next Wednesday, I want to let you know my guest will be Diane Delano, founder of Wild Horse Rescue Center in Webster, Florida, which rescues, rehabilitates, and otherwise finds new homes for Mustangs and Burroughs, while offering an uh, ongoing educational component about the plight of these uh, animals. So I hope you'll uh, join me for that show. I also invite you to visit TalkingAnimals.net for audio archives of every show we've ever broadcast. Apple Podcasts are available there, too, as well as other podcast platforms, links to our social media, and so on. This is Talking Animals on WMF Tampa. I'm Duncan Strauss. Thanks very much for listening. Have a good week. Be kind to animals. Be kind to others. Be kind to yourself. And... Uh, Stay tuned again for Scott Elliott coming up with all kinds of cool Charlie Watts Rolling Stones music in just a moment or two after we hear some NPR news headlines. Thanks so much. We'll catch you next Wednesday at 11 a.m. Thanks. It's WMNF Tampa.